Thank you, Benny, for playing this morning. Let's take our Bibles and uh, we'll turn to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, as we'll feast on the Word. Acts chapter 16. And we're going to begin reading. Um, I think I'll actually back up just a second to bring it into context. So we've been engaged in um, the second missionary journey. Uh, Paul and his new partner Silas, they've been, again, I'll maybe ask Laramie, just throw the map on the wall. It helps us just get our context. Um, They've been busy on the second go-round. They've been back and actually worked backwards, visiting places they'd been the first time. Um, Barnabas and uh, his nephew, John Mark, they've actually taken a different approach and they began uh, journeying from Cyprus, which allowed uh, Paul and Silas to go backwards on the trip that they went the first time. They're stopping in to see how the churches are doing, where they had left believers last time. Uh, Chapter 16 is unfolding that. And it's interesting as it's almost like God had stopped them on a couple of different places. There's nowhere to go, honestly. Let's see, there's that. There's that little pointer thing is. Um, and it uh, fails to follow my commands. There we go. We're going to wake it up. Um, actually, we find ourselves over today in the, in the little the city of Philippi. It was a Roman colony. Um, very popular in the sense of it was on a major roadway. Um, this is the first time that the gospel has been approached on the continent of Europe. If you're here today and your ancestry comes from Europe, you could be thankful that the first convert was Lydia. Lydia was the first Christian in in Europe. Uh, We talked about two ladies last week. One of them was Lydia, one was seeking after God, and then there was another lady, actually was demon-possessed. We're not even given her name. We know that, and this is where we're going to pick up our context, is uh, Paul has cast out the demon out of this young lady. Um, She was saying through the power of the demon the right things. But this is very key as well today, folks. Listen very carefully. Uh, Satan's first and most aggressive approach to destroying the works of God is infiltration. If he can somehow get inside the church or inside a body and to sometimes tell the truth, but leading astray to Satan's, what do I want to say, his agenda. And here we have a demon-possessed lady that on Paul and his cohorts going to a prayer meeting on the, on the river continues to say, there's the servants of the Most High God and they're giving the way of salvation. And you'd say, that's okay. But it's not okay. Because you can tell when the demon is cast out literally what the focus is all about. And it's all about money. It's all about money. I don't even need to say anymore today, do I? There's television programs that are today infiltrated by the power of Satan through, quote-unquote, some right message. We need to be very, very careful that it adheres to the Word of God. Well, with that, let's read our passage, and then we'll get right into the, the, the study of it. Um, we'll start in verse 11, because what's happened now is, uh, is literally Paul and Silas have, have reached as far as you can go in Asia to Troas. There's nowhere to go but the ocean. They could not go north. They could not go south. So now, literally, God has explained to them through the, a vision of the Holy Spirit to go over to Neapolis. In verse 11, it brings us into play. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we... Why did we say we again? It's, it's a team made from heaven. We have Paul, we have Silas, we have Luke, who wrote the book of Acts. And now from this point on for a bit, we're going to have him including himself, we. So we have, and then we know that we met a man by the name, a young man of Timotheus. What a four, foursome it was. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samothracia, the next day to Neapolis. From thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia and a colony. And we were in that city abiding certain days. On the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spoke unto the women which resorted thither. A certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. When she was baptized and her household, she besought us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. It came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel, possessed with a spirit of divination, met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothed sayings. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation." 
This did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. When her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers and brought them to the magistrate, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs, which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison, made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed, and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and was baptized, he and all his, straightway. When he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them, and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. And when it was day, the magistrate sent the sergeants, saying, Let those men go. And the keeper of the prison told this saying to Paul, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Now, therefore, depart and go in peace. Paul said unto them, They have beaten us openly, uncondemned, being Romans, and have cast us into prison. And now do they thrust us out pri privily? Nay, verily, but let them come themselves and fetch us out. The sergeants told these things, these words, I'm sorry, unto the magistrates, and they feared when they heard that they were Romans. And they came and besought them and brought them out and desired them to depart out of the city. And they went out of the prison and entered into the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they comforted them and departed. And may God add a special blessing to the reading of his word. And let us just open in prayer before we begin our study. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the times in which we find ourselves that you've placed us. These people in this room are here because you have determined it to be so. Father, it is a time such as this that we are here to lift up our voice of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, it's a question that's rung through the years. How can I be saved? What do I need to do to be saved? Here today, Father, that question is asked in a city in Philippi with Paul and Silas answering, giving direction, allowing this man and his house to be saved through the power of you, Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, take the word, and we ask that you would take it to the innermost parts of who we are, that we would be changed accordingly, that the Holy Spirit would exclusively be our teacher, using the word of God to go to, the, to our hearts and our minds and changing us just as you would see fit. Thank you, Father, for those that are here today. We ask that you would give them a special blessing for reaching out and wanting to know more of, about you. Father, the week that's in front of them, that's before them, we don't know what it beholds, but we know that you hold it. Father, I'd ask that as the steps, the journeys of these would go out, that they would be focused upon being filled with the Holy Spirit. And Father, that you would fill them to the full, to the brim, as they, as they go on with the words of Christ. Now, these moments are yours. We look with anticipation what you'll accomplish. In Christ's name, amen. Uh, it's an exciting chapter, isn't it? Those words, I mean, a lot of things are happening. We saw, uh, it's almost too much to imagine. There's not a church, there's not even a synagogue. We spoke of that briefly last week. If there would have been 10 Jewish men, that's enough to have a synagogue. There wasn't one in the city, the colony of Philippi. Uh, they actually met together at the river, a place of prayer, uh, where 
several women were there, Lydia being the first convert, and her household, those that would have believed with her. And then this young lady that followed along, we've already spoke of her already today, that literally, and you saw it, as soon as the demon was cast out of her, did you see how much concern that her masters had for her? They had no concern whatsoever. This was a money-making machine. We're excited about money. Uh, that's a, I can't even talk about that because it doesn't even bother us anymore today, right? Money has no bearing on our culture. Hardy, har, 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 right? Money drives this world. In fact, uh, in Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, it says, The love of money is the root of all evil. It does not say money is the root of all evil. The love of money. You don't even have to have money to destroy your life. You can love money so much, even not having it, you will destroy your life and everyone around you. Isn't that true? It's absolutely true. And here we have, now you think of this. I'm going to have you step back just in your mind, go back to Mark chapter 5. And remember Jesus went across the Sea of Galilee and there was a man that was demon possessed. He was actually possessed with a legion of demons. I, I can't even imagine what that must have been like to live under that kind of tyranny every single moment, every single day. He was out of his mind. It was actually what he said. He was insane. He lived in a, in a, in a graveyard. They tried to bind him. He would just break them. The power of the internal demons were a amazing. The people were afraid of him. So Jesus just speaks and the whole legion of demons leaves. And you know how much they cared about the man? Not at all. They asked Jesus to leave. Why? Because the pigs were killed. The demons entered the pigs. They asked the Christ, Jesus Christ, to let them go in. And then what did they, they drove off the side of a cliff and were killed. I, I, the, law, the loss of love for humanity is Satan's tool today as well as any. I'm looking across this world today, and, and it's amazing. In our text today, anti-Semitism, it's rampant. It's absolutely rampant. And the infiltration of, of, of the enemy within all of this stuff. And you look across our world today, and it's so messed up. There's so much loss of life. There's so much the innocence, the children, the women that are being killed and raped and terrorized. I will tell you behind every single one of those is Satan. He hates what God created in his image. That will go on. The anti-Semitism will go to the very end. It's amazing. You know, we're reading our scriptures today over 2,000 years ago. It's right in our face today. And it's not going away. It will not go away. You can see the heightened level of tension that continues to plague our world. It will go higher. It's called the tribulation period. We haven't seen anything yet. And all of that still, the Jewish community does not turn to their Messiah. But the, the book, the Word of God says at the end of the tribulation, at the end of the seven years, which is, this is not part of the tribulation. I see all of these prognosticators talking about the, this kind of matches in the No, a thousand times. We don't even know what the tribulation is about. You read Revelation and you tell me we're living in that. You don't have a clue. Two-thirds of mankind will be destroyed. Mountains will fall. It's unbelievable. This is just a precursor. But all of that Literally, you get all the way to the end of the seven years, and finally then, Israel turns to the Messiah. And as he hits the Mount of Olives, that mountain splits upon him. And that's his second coming. That's not the rapture. We meet him in the air. If you've trusted Christ today, you're not going through the tribulation, because you will meet him in the air, Second, First Thessalonians chapter 4. There's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. You get to tribulation period, if you're not in Christ, you are being condemned and if you think you're going to wait till the tribulation to get saved, you're crazy. <laughs> if you can't stand up for Jesus now, you won't stand against an antichrist that rules the whole world. And our world is searching for that today. Can't you see it? The one world government and digital currencies and the mark of the beast and all of those things are canvassing our world. It's right around the corner. And I look in the protests now, anti-Semitism. It's alarming, but it's nothing. It will literally be in the tribulation. The whole world in the last half of the tribulation will unite it, join against that little nation, Israel. But God is God. I want to be where God's at. That's our prayer. That's my prayer for you today. Are you where God wants you to be? Because that's where you want to be. I trust me. You want to be where God wants you to be. 
I'm going to be telling a story that fits into this, the jailer that says, uh, let, me, let me just say this. Everybody's got a reason they're living. A crisis is a moment or a series of moments that erodes away or takes that thing or things or people or persons or whatever it is that you're clinging to that you really, that's the sense of your existence. That's your little box. That's your hope of what you're living. And when that's taken away, there's nothing left. That's why when people lose all of their monies and profits and stocks and they'll jump out windows because everything they live for is gone. Uh, this jailer, popping ahead for just a moment, uh, he woke up that day and he's just a jailer, right? He has a job to do. He keeps people in jail and he makes sure they stay there. In fact, if you were a Roman jailer and you let somebody go, you were responsible to suffer the same consequence of that one that got away from you. He took this job very seriously. Did you see where his box was? He was a jailer that kept a firm, tight jail. And when this earthquake came and all of the... <laughs> All of the stocks and all of the bands and all of the, everything was opened up. He was like, I'm dead. He was going to kill himself. There's no sense even carrying on. He was at the end of the rope. That's a point at which you will ask, now what? Now what? I, I have to tell this story now, I guess. I just have to tell it because it fits this just as well. There was a man by the name of John Harper. You probably don't know John Harper. He was born in the late 1800s. He and his young little daughter of six years of age and his niece, who was helping care for this one and only daughter that he had. He was 39 at the time, but his wife had died in childbearing just a week after this, his firstborn daughter, whose name was Nana. They called her Nana. Annie was her name, but they entered a ship. It was around the turn of the century, 1900s, and they got on board, and he was actually a pastor. He was a pastor of a Baptist church in the UK. Very aggressive. He was a, he was a soul winner. He was the one that took his job really, really seriously. On an April 14th, that night he had his niece and his little daughter beside him, and he was looking at the sunset from the ship's platform and said, what a beautiful sundown. I can't wait for tomorrow. Tomorrow didn't come. You see, he had entered the Titanic. The ship that couldn't be sunk. And as he handed up his little six-year-old daughter, Annie, to the top flight, which she and her aunt or his niece both went together on lifeboat 11, they escaped, if you will, or they made it. He, John Harper, said, no, there's men, that, women need me. I'm going to stay to the end. In fact, he gave his life vest to some. Are you saved? And the man said, no. He said, you need it more than I do. As the ship sunk, just literally, his little daughter and his niece were about a mile away from the ship and they watched as it went down. The lights flickered and went down. John took every last second of his life pouring out this same request, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. There was a man four years after the downing of the Titanic that stood up in a testimony meeting in Canada and he said four years ago John Harper was floating along beside me in the ocean, just about to go under. And he said, are you saved? And I responded, no. He said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And anyway, he went, floated off. As it would happen, he says, he came back again and asked me again, are you saved? And I said, no. And the second time he said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And he said, all of a sudden, just, just a, a moment after that, he went down. So he said, I'm pretty convinced that I'm the last convert because I trusted Christ that night with two and a half miles of ocean between me and the bottom of that sea. That's desperation, isn't it? 
But that's a man that lived exactly what he believed. John gave the last moments of his life. Not like, he was making sure to his best of his abilities that his little daughter, six-year-old, and by the way, she went on to marry a pastor. I think she died at like 82 years of age. His legacy continues. I just saw this story written about him this morning. It was about 5.30 this morning. Thank goodness for the clock being set back. I had an extra hour to watch and look and see and study, right? It was good, good stuff. But my point is, is that, you know what? Each and every one of you here today, if you haven't trusted Christ, there's something you're trusting more. There's something that you're trusting more. It might be money. It might be popularity. It might be just like this jailer, just prestige of running the jail of the town of Philippi, right? And I do my job. And when all of that crumbles, when someday you look in the mirror and all of the things that you really trust in are not enough to get you to get beyond physical death, and your world gets really small. And I'm here to say the same message that Paul and Silas gave to that jailer that night, in the middle of the night, is just as true today. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. We're going to talk about what that means in a moment. To think of, let's take a step back now. Let's just take a step back. Why is Paul and Silas in jail? Been beaten. Uh, a Roman colony, which we spoke some of last week, would be run by two magistrates. They were appointed by the Roman, ultimately the emperor, but would have been responsible for this colony. They were ones that were responsible for things running the right way. Well, immediately after this demon's cast out of this girl, you can tell the money-making machine is gone. No more cash here. We could care less about the girl. In fact, she's not even named anymore. She's not even talked about. We don't even know what happened to her. I'm hoping that she trusted Christ. I, we don't know that. But you can see that all that was important to the men that owned her was making money, telling about the future for some. Whether it's true or not, it doesn't matter. You get the money before the future comes, right? Oh, well, she might have just missed that by a little bit. But come on, hey, more money. We can give you more stuff. Isn't that what fortune tellers tell you in California or wherever? We'll get it right sometime. Jean Dixon, would she get one in a million? I don't know, but just once, and if she was qualified to go get it again. A prophet of the Bible, of the Word of God in the Old Testament, you missed once, you're dead. Whoa, those are high standards. That's how God is. He tells the truth all the time, every day, all day long. Well, they're going to take this thing to the head. We're going to go get Paul and Silas's head. Now, why wasn't Timothy and Luke involved in this imprisonment? That's a good question, isn't it? You did see what the, what the charge was. Those Jews. Well, Luke was not a Jew. Timothy was a half a Jew. So let's take the real Jews. <laughs> These would have been Paul and Silas. Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was like at the top, the tippity top, and Silas would have been a high up leader that would have been appointed later into the Jerusalem church. So you took those two, and they were the ringleaders, if you will. They marched them down there to the city square or to the marketplace. Agora is the word, that it's the place where things happened. Not only just things were commercially sold, but this is where things were ironed out. This is where you took, a, you took a, a problem and you took it here. Well, they presented it. They're saying things that is totally against Roman law. And there is some truth in that. Because if you trust Christ, if you're going to make him your savior, as that jailer on that night was baptized, he took a statement. See, to us, when we say baptism, um, you're probably not going to get killed if you walk out this door, go to the street and say, I was baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're probably not going to get killed in America yet. That man took a chance, didn't he? He really did. He took a stand. I'm with Jesus. When he did that, he's standing alone, if you will. And if you have trusted Christ as your Savior, there's no other God. That's why the three, remember the three Israelis, I'm using that word just to put us in context of today. Um, they're in a large gathering and they're supposed to bow down before this statue of Nebuchadnezzar. Right? Remember those three guys? I can't even think of their names right. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Those three guys, right? They were friends of Daniel's. Talk about took a stand. They took a stand from the first time they entered into Babylon. They just stand there. And if you can imagine, I'm still thinking hundreds of thousands of people, when the music was at the right time, they hit the deck, except for these three. 
And I don't think they kind of went down to kind of not. I think they stood erect because God was their God. Is God your God like that? Those three stood out, didn't they? And you know the story. Nebuchadnezzar brings them up and he says, okay, guys, you just didn't understand, right? I'm going to give you one more chance. But if you don't, you, you think the furnace is hot now? I'm going to heat it seven times hotter to show you I'm in charge. I'm going to ask the same question. Who is in prison here? It wasn't Paul and Silas. You know who was in prison? The jailer. He was in prison. Do you know who let him out of prison? Jesus Christ. Do you know who's in prison today? A lot of people don't even know they're in prison. They're locked behind the gates of society. They're locked behind the gates of Satan. There's only one way to get out. Jesus Christ. Well, they were taken and beaten. Uh, the word lictor is the name of these policemen that would have dealt it out. In Rome, they would have had small rods that they would have taped together or bound together. And it seems rather evident that they beat them mercilessly. In fact, uh, Paul speaks on another occasion. Let's turn to, um, I think it's 2 Corinthians. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And this is his description. It wasn't his first and only time. Uh, Paul wore a lot of stripes, if you will. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 and 25. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths often. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save once, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. That would have been one of these right here. Once I was stoned, thrice I suffered a trip. You can tell he's wearing some marks for Jesus, isn't he? But that not even being enough, then the magistrates commanded the, the jailer, throw them into the inner parts of the dungeon. And he, knowing the, what should we say, the sinisterness of the whole capacity, he not only does that, but he puts them in the word is stocks. How many of you have been in stocks? Have you Really? Oh, there you go. There you go. I was going to say, we need to talk a little bit more. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I, I remember, actually, I had a situation like that. I, there, was a, there was a presentation or a, you know, a, a, what's the right word I'm looking for? Uh, well, I'll just say that. It was a model, if you will. And I remember, and, I'm, and, and this, was, this, was, this would have been leg stocks in this situation. But there were some where you had legs, arms, and your neck went through. I can't imagine. Now, that just creeps me out. I mean, I'm, I'm getting more claustrophobic the older I I don't know why. Uh, maybe I'm filling into myself. I don't, <laughs> you could do what you want to do with it. But at any rate, they would have been wearing stocks on that night, beaten mercilessly. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I want you to, to go there for a moment and not even understanding the pain of this situation. Just the sense of what had just happened to you. You were on your way to a prayer meeting to pray with fellow believers. You have a new convert, Lydia, and her household, and probably numerous others had now been part of this group. This young lady that had been following you for several days has said the right thing, but with the wrong author. And Paul is not going to have any of this infiltration to take place when they leave. Because Paul knows he's on, a, he's on a journey. He's not going to stop in Philippi and go home. He's not going to stay here for five years. He's going to move on. So it's very important. This is Paul really looking out as an under-shepherd. The last thing he needs is to have Satan infiltrating this group of new believers with a partial truth. I can show you in Revelation chapter 2 and 3 churches that Satan got in through the, the bottom, shall we say, infiltrated, and those churches were dead. What do you think has happened in America? Now, persecution, which is what Satan will refer or revert back to, it works every single time to expand the gospel across the world. Without question, infiltration, Satan's most effective tool. Just silently gets inside, starts to maneuver some doctrine, starts to see someone else as being equal with Christ. I, you, you, you go on with it. I, there's, a, there's a cult today that is being worshipped because it appeared as an angel of light. Stop a moment. What else do we know about this quote-unquote angel of the light? Said that Jesus is the same as 
or he's a brother to Lucifer. Wrong answer. That's not what the Bible says. Stop. You see, that's all a charade. That's what's going to happen in the tribulation period. Antichrist is going to look really cool. The false prophet is going to make him look really cool. In fact, it looks like he's almost dead, maybe dead, and he raises him from the dead, and the people, wow, that's the Messiah, right? And if you don't know your Bible, that's what's scary today. You know, the United States as a populace doesn't even know what a Bible looks like inside the covers today. I got in a conversation with a, a lady a couple of weeks ago. She was throwing mud at the Bible, and I said, there's the truth. That's the truth. I've never read it. I'm thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute. You understand what you just said? You know, there's no, you, you're not going to argue someone into heaven. Understand that, okay? Don't try that. What did it say? In Lydia, God opened her heart. You want to you get somebody saved? Pray for the Holy Spirit to open that person's heart. Let that work be done by the Holy Spirit. But here I got somebody telling me that the Bible is a joke, but has never read it. <laughs> That's common. That's common today. If you think the Bible's a joke, then get into it and prove it. C.S. Lewis spent a pretty good share of his life, a brilliant man, a brilliant intellectual that was amazingly smart, God gripped him with an amazing amount of intelligence. And he finally said, I came kicking and screaming to God because the Bible's true. I couldn't disprove it. You see, that's what the Bible does. If you're really interested in getting into it, it'll take your life. It'll take your life just where it needs to go. Okay, now, I asked you to hang around in the boots and the shoes of Paul and Silas. How's your evening going? Oh, let me remind you of your condition. You were on your way to the prayer meeting, and finally Paul had had enough, and he turned around and he said, in the name of Jesus Christ, be gone. And that demon, it's called a he in the King James, is gone. It's the last we know anymore of the, of the young girl, other than that she's no longer a cash machine. Now you've been dragged to the county, to, county, to the city square, and you're being accused of being a Jew, which isn't a good thing, in Philippi, and you're against all Roman law. Now, part of that is true. If you trust God and God alone, there's no room for emperor worship. Okay? That's a problem in Rome. But they weren't causing an uproar, correct? If you remember correctly, you were just going to prayer meeting. Now, all of a sudden, here we have two guys coming out with clubs, rods, and strip you and beat you to, I don't know to what level, but apparently not a very good level. You fill in the blanks. Then you're thrown into prison and your legs are in stocks. You can't go anywhere. How are you right now? Stop. Honestly, how are you today? Well, how are you right now? It's 8 o'clock in the evening. Nobody's saying awesome. I'm hearing that. Would you thought at midnight to just start praising God? <laughs> it's okay. We're honest. We're, we're just, right? We're just back and forth. I wouldn't. Wouldn't be the first thing for me. You know, I'd be too worried about for a while. Still do it. I'm worried about my problems. Boy, what do I got to do? I mean, is God not watching? Where's God in all of this? You've never said that, but I mean, I would probably once or twice. But guess what's not changed? God. God hasn't changed. He didn't go anywhere. Now, in the book of Philippians, I have asked in a prayer for people to have this. And in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, let's go there for a moment. Because what we're seeing is we're going to work this backwards. And you're going to see to this church. And isn't it amazing? This is the letter to the Philippians. Where's Paul and Silas? They're in Philippi, right? This is like home city. This is hometown territory. Let's, let's go to Philippians chapter 4. And there's a verse that you all know. But I want to see how they got there. Sometimes... To get there is more than just being there. I'll explain in a moment. Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And you say, yes. I want some of that. Now, let me, let me back up. Now, I don't know how you guys were really smooth and cool on this thing. I gave myself away. I'm probably at midnight not going to be standing up and praying and rejoicing 
in stocks in the middle of prison. This isn't a good prison either. This isn't, I don't know whichever you think of Deer Lodge or any other prison. No, 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 no. This is a dungeon from hell because they all were. You weren't in prison because it was okay. It was terrible. That's where you're at. That's where you're at. Now, my question to you is, let's read this verse. Hold your place in Philippians because we'll be back. Let's go to Acts chapter 16. And it says, when they had laid many stripes, verse 23, chapter 16, when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely after they got a nice home-cooked meal. Oh, no, that's not in there, is it? Who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. Okay. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. Meanwhile, back at Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, what did it say? The peace of God that passes all understanding. Uh, my question to you is, did they have that at midnight? Oh, ho, ho, they had that. They had that. And you know what? If you would have been there and you would have been praying and singing praises, you would have had that. But does that just happen? That's a great question, isn't it? So let's take and walk ourselves back now because what Paul and Silas did was gave us the perfect scenario of how at midnight, and God hasn't changed, hasn't went anywhere, how did they do it? How did they get the peace that passes all understanding? There's several things that we'll find earlier in Philippians chapter 4. Let's watch what they did. Writing to the same people that they were evidenced in. So let's go down to verse 4 of Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. This is literally the beginning of a new section. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let me say it differently. And I'm gonna, because we, you guys know that verse. You've rehearsed it. You've said it. You've sung songs about it. I, and I remember, I remember Scripture better when it's, got, when it's a melody. I don't know why, but I can remember, like the fruit of the Spirit. I just sang that in a song, and the fruit of the Spirit is just there. Now, if I was supposed to remember, let's see, there's love. But if I have it in a tune, therefore, brethren, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty. But be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, faith. Against such there is no law. That's a little song in my head, right? You know how you get a song? They're rejoicing. Now, let me change it. Rejoice in all your circumstances, brethren. Again, I say rejoice in your circumstances. That is not what it said. Circumstances change. I'm going to rejoice in God who never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's why, what was the key moment of this? Rejoice in the Lord always. At midnight, doesn't matter if you're wearing a scar. Doesn't matter if you're beat up. Doesn't even matter if you didn't get a home-cooked meal. You can rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, and you say, I can't do that. You can't if you're in the Spirit. Because it wasn't Paul and Silas' strength that entered this in. Now, guess who's for benefit this is? Now, I want you to jump ahead for a moment. We'll come back to it. I, I apologize, but it's going to get you back into thinking about this. Do you remember how, how they left town? Remember the two magistrates? Remember those guys? Well, I taught them guys a lesson. They all, just tell them to leave town now. They'll, they know what they're, they know who they've run into in Philippi now. The two lictors, the two cops come and tell the jailer that. The jailer, he's, uh, again, we're, we're missing some stuff. The jailer says, hey, Paul, you won't believe it. You guys can leave now. Oh, by the way, if an earthquake happened and all, everybody was free to go, how many wouldn't go? Here? Nobody went. That's being at peace, isn't it? You're perfectly content. Godliness with contentment is great gain, it says in First Peter, First, uh, First Timothy. I'm sorry, chapter six, verse six. Paul says, "No, you you bring those two, the big boys, the big magistrates. You have them come down here because we're Roman citizens." <laughs> you know the the expression, the fear of God. Let me tell you something. Those two magistrates which were running the Roman colony and found out they had just beaten mercilessly without any trial, without any investigation, had just done it to Roman citizens. 
He said, why don't you have those two guys come down? Tell them for me to leave. We're not going anywhere. <laughs> the cops go back. Oh, guys. Uh, Good news, bad news. Good news are still there. Bad news is they're Romans. <laughs> I can't imagine how big their eyes got. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, guys, why don't you... Oh, we're so sorry. I, I, just, could you leave quickly? Now, see, in my mind, I'm thinking, why didn't Paul say that before he was beaten? It's not letting less true, right? I'm going to just tell you again. The under-shepherd, the love of this man, Paul, is amazing. Now, again, maybe it just slipped his mind. Maybe there wasn't time. Maybe they just ripped his clothes off and beat him. But I'm telling you, at some point there, he could have said that. But he didn't. But let me ask this now. And we know that Paul, he didn't leave right away. Did you notice that? <laughs> ah, we're not going to leave right now. We're going to go down to Lydia's. We're going to have some more prayer. We're going to visit with the brethren. And I'll think about it. Because you're not in charge. You're in prison. You're in God's prison right now. But what do you think it would be like having the church service down by the river in the city of Philippi after the two people that had started the church had been illegitimately beaten by the two magistrates in the city of Philippi? I think that church is safe. I think it's safe. You talk about protection. Satan unfolds persecution, and guess what? There's a whole lot of things that happen. There's preaching. There's provision. There's protection. And there's people getting saved. There's production. Just because Satan turned the heat up. Yeah, it works everywhere. The, the most thriving churches in the world today are those that have the most level, highest level of persecution. China, unbelievable. They'll stand right to the end. We're one of God's. In fact, go ahead and kill us. We get to see Jesus quicker. <laughs> it's not a convenience religion. See, in America, it's been convenience too long. Well, we call ourselves a Christian nation, and yet we're not even close. We don't even know what a Christian is. You ask a guy that says he's a Christian, would you define what that means? They have no idea. Unless they're truly a believer, right? There's a difference. A, well, uh, Christian, uh, well, we're a Christian nation. What does that mean? Why don't you try it this week? And don't be belligerent about it. Just quit and just ask, just ask, what is a Christian? It's a fanatic, right? That's what's popular today. Some bigot. Well, are you, see, now it's not even cool to be a Christian in America now. See, we've moved past that. We're on the other side of that, but it used to be cool. In the 40s and 50s and when God was, I mean, blessing our country, it was okay to be a Christian. Today, first of all, they don't even know what it is. Secondarily, it's not even cool anymore. Woke is taking a presence now. Uh, Paul and Silas, they were Christians. They were believers. But think of the protection that Paul gave as a parting gift to this little church. Do you think those new magistrates did anything but hands off of those guys? Hey, 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 Mr. Lichter, you stay away from those people. Because that would have been wearing that over his head for who knows how long. There was no blackmail involved. Paul left that up to God. But I'm telling you, every time they would have thought about that little church down at the river, they're praying. Oh, Paul and Silas, woo, stay away from there. Do you know who joined it the next day? I'm sure. The Philippian jailer. <laughs> now, let me see. That's, that's how God works. That's the sovereignty of God. You may have went through something this week that's amazingly terrible from your perspective. How could I rejoice in that? What if Paul and Silas had not been thrown into jail that night and they hadn't rejoiced in the Lord at midnight and prayed I don't know even what they prayed doesn't tell us I'm sure just praying Lord God tell us what do you want us to do next we're here because of you and we, we, we're, we're excited about that an earthquake comes and the whole thing is just ripped up by shreds now I'll tell you how interested the jailer was in Paul and Silas early in the evening he wasn't said he was fast asleep the earthquake woke him up. You know what his level of interest was in Paul and Silas? Zero. Zero. Except he wanted him kept in his little prison that he kept very secure. And he wakes up. Oh, my word! His box is blowing up. Everything he's living for is gone. 
I'm dead. No, I'm not going to wait for that. I'm just going to kill myself. Now, that's, that's amazing to take that much speed in, harvering, uh, in taking damage to yourself. There's not a lot of thought taking place here. Just poof, going to get it done. And Paul, <laughs> again, I mean, just, the love is just exuding. Do you think this guy's full of the Spirit? I know where I want to take you next. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. Because you're sitting here, how can I be so full of the Spirit at midnight when I've been beaten that I could actually rejoice? It's not your strength. It's not your strength. Let's go to uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. What controls you? That's really the issue. Uh, An alcoholic... They're controlled by what? By, by alcohol. It becomes, they're really, what's talking, and I have, I have friends of which I'm praying for them, that they can't stop drinking. And when they call me late at night, who is talking? The alcohol is. They're in total control, or it's in total control. But let's keep watching. That's the point he's making here. What are you controlled by? Looking at verse 19. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, semicolon, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Were they full of the, full of the Spirit? Absolutely. Did they have peace with God? Absolutely. Why? Because they were filled with the Spirit. How does it start? You're in a pickle. Now, it may not be as bad as the guys that you guys aren't have. The good news is you're not. It's not 8 o'clock at night and you're not in the jail of Philippi. You're not the innermost part of the dungeon. You don't have stocks on and you haven't been beaten within an inch of your life. The good news is you still live in Madison. Well, I'll just say southwest Montana. But you've had a rough day. And what happens then is the problems get big and your God gets small. My tough time is in the middle of the night. I don't know what that's about. Problems are bigger at night. <laughs> but you know where you've got to start? First of all, I've got to go, go get some light on, and I've got to open my, my Bible, and I start reading verses like that. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. And you know what? When I start thanking God for this moment right now when I can talk to Him and to rejoice in all that He's given to me, I'm thinking even Benito. Last year, those guys were apprehended in Mexico within an hour of their home. Six long guns pointed at his party. Took all their money. But, you know, I remember Benito saying the first time, thank God that we're alive. He was rejoicing in the fact that they had been let live, that they could at least go home to their families. See, there's always something to be rejoicing about. And if you are not even here on planet Earth, guess where you are if you're in the hands of Jesus Christ? You're home with Him. I can't imagine what that rejoicing party's like, right? If you start rejoicing, it just flows from you. Now, that's step one. If you want the peace of God that passes all understanding, number one is to rejoice in the Lord always. I didn't say circumstances. For the fruit of, you know, that, that comes from the fruit of the Spirit. If you're walking in the Spirit, you're yielding to the Spirit. That just comes out of you. That's not even you, in the sense. You're being controlled by the Spirit. But you want the peace of God that passes all understanding? You're going to have to walk in the Spirit. Now, there's, there's a few more things. I'm sorry to say, that's enough. I mean, that's how I get the, yes, that's how you get the peace that passes all understanding. You rejoice in the Lord always, not in circumstances. For all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to His purposes. Not all things are good. That's Romans chapter 8, verse 20. You study it out. It doesn't say that. But God uses all of these things to bring you closer to Himself. That's what that says. But let's go back to Philippians. Let's see what else they did. Philippians chapter 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice... But then verse 5, now in the King James, it says it a little differently, maybe in the version you have. It says in verse 5, let your moderation be known unto all men, the Lord is at hand. In some of your versions, the NIV potentially would say, be gentle. Be gentle. We're, I'm going to go back now. Let's, let's watch Paul and Silas. There are symbols of peace. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what. If you can sing a song at midnight and you're beaten within an inch of your life, 
that's peace. Were they gentle? Oh, amazing, amazing. Just a few hours later, not even hours, I'm convinced, minutes, and the place is completely blown apart. And Paul, oh, no, 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 don't hurt yourself. No, 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 no. Well, nobody's, everybody's here. Nobody's gone anywhere. You're okay. Is that gentle? Even more important, are you gentle? Am I gentle? That's going to be the key to having peace that passes all understanding. You rejoice in the Lord always. Exhibit your peace. I'm sorry, exhibit your gentleness. And then it goes on. Be careful for nothing. What does that mean? That's a hard way of saying, don't sweat it. (laughs) Don't sweat it. Don't, what's the words we would use today? No anxiety, right? Yeah, chill, right? Just chill. Uh, Sometimes that's a little bit further than it ought to be, right? (laughs) But here's the point. If you're really uptight, if anxiety is gripping you, and that's sometimes in the middle of the night for me. I've got, I've, got to get, I've, got to, I've got to knock that down because I will tell you something. If you're anxious, if you're full of fear, I will guarantee you, you do not have the peace of God that passes all understanding. They can't coexist. In fact, there will be no love in your life if you are fearful. 1 John chapter 4, fear casteth out love and love casteth out they cannot live together. That's why the fruit of the Spirit is love. Fear is not part of that picture. So let's rehearse for a moment. These guys have shown, this is, this is an exhibition that's unbelievable. Done in Philippi, written in a letter back to the Philippians. This will, you'll never read Philippians chapter 4 the same again. Never. Rejoice in the Lord always. Be gentle. Be gentle. Don't sweat it, guys. In fact, pray about everything. That's what that verse goes on to say. Pray about everything. And let's read it. Now let's read it together. Let's watch what happens. This is why it becomes what takes place. Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation, your gentleness be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful or anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Does that verse now make full sense? You can't just go over and take this, take this beautiful picture of peace of God and go over to your neighbor and go, whew, there, you got it. No! It doesn't work that way. You'll never have the peace of God until you're at peace with God. And you can't get at peace with God until that man that was floating on the ocean and that John Harper cast up him what did he say? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Until that, he was at war with God. When he entered and got out of that situation, he was saved. He was actually literally physically saved, but he was saved and he was at peace with God when he trusted Jesus Christ. That moment changed his life forever. And that's literally where every single one of us has to get to. If you know someone today that is not at peace with anything, there's only one place to start peace with God. It only comes through Jesus Christ. Man, what an exhibition, right? These guys are rejoicing the Lord. Could you say these guys are anxious? Not for a second. At least there's no indication of it because you know what? When you're rejoicing, when you're praising God and you're praying and asking Him for everything and being gentle, there's only one thing that could happen. Peace that passes all understanding. In fact, those prisoners that heard them, that's exactly the term they would say. What's with those two guys? They're not right. No, they're with Jesus. They're with Jesus. See, it's so foreign. It's so foreign, isn't it? Now, I wish I could say that I would be a a beautiful example and you could just follow me when things are really tough. I just get all those things right every single time. I don't. I don't. That's why God wrote it down for me. That's why it's in Philippians chapter 4. That's why in the middle of the night I got, yes, 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 rejoice in the Lord always. Not the circumstances, rejoice in the Lord, being gentle. Not being anxious about anything, but giving God everything. Then his peace just, right? 
you're just flooded with his peace. And those men showed it to the Philippians. Why do you think it was okay for those guys to leave? How are you going to not get that exhibition, right? Was God at work? What a chapter. They come into town and Lydia is saved. Now, Lydia is one that's actually seeking after God. Uh, they come into town, there's nowhere to see anybody. They're just kind of, what? I mean, there's no synagogues? That's, that's where Paul loved to go because there was an understanding of the scriptures. No synagogue. Wow, what do you think, Silas? Uh, what, go down to town pump or what? I don't know. What are we going to do? They just stirred around and said for certain days they were just kind of mingling around. And you know what? Somewhere somebody told them about this lady that was having prayer meeting down at the river. And she gets saved first. And then there's the most unbecoming or the, most least, the least likely. If you're going to say in that community, who would be the, le the least likely to find Jesus? Probably our little demon-possessed gal. But Satan was really playing a cool card here. He wanted to say, you know what, Paul, I know Paul well enough. He moves on. He, he, he's a goer. So what we'll do is we'll say the right things in front of Paul, and then we'll just kind of infiltrate. Paul calls it out. He calls it exactly what it is. In fact, we know it is because the demon left that girl immediately. Everybody gets in an uproar. They're mad. Take Paul and Silas to get them beaten. And if you're a, if you're, you know, guys, you just, just, just slow down a little bit. You're just, you know, just slow down. Let's just go back to prayer meeting right now. Let's just relax. Not Paul and Silas. No. They're not anxious about anything. That's why a Christian that's really on fire for Christ, you can't, you can't threaten him or her with anything because the Holy Spirit has control of them. When they're walking in the Spirit, guess what? Their hearts are full of psalms and hymns and rejoicing and thanksgiving. You know, that's why one of, the, one of the holidays that is absent from America today, I say it all the time, it's the one that's approaching, but you'll hear very little about it. It'll be called Turkey Day. It'll be called Football Day. Be called a lot of things, but it will not even hardly be called Thanksgiving anymore. When you go back into the roots of that, you talk about living a tough time. Those pilgrims, just the year before, half of them died from starvation because they didn't have any food. And yet, upon having a bountiful harvest, they invited all of their neighbors and they sat down to a feast. And the first and foremost thing in their mind was to thank God for what He had given them. Do you think they were at peace? Yeah. See, you can be at peace and you don't have any money in your, in, your, in your account. If you're like me, you've got some stuff coming up in the next 30 days and you say, whoa, <laughs> there's some money stuff going on here that I don't know how to figure it out. That's okay. God is the God of impossible. But you still have, you want God's peace, mark this down. And if you really want God's peace... Philippians chapter 4 is exactly on target. And these two men, Paul and Silas, lived it. Rejoice in the Lord always. Be gentle so that they can see you gentle. Don't be anxious about anything. Praying to God about everything. And your life to other people will say, they're not right. But you know what? Do you know why the jailer didn't go to the other convicted killer that was back on the other side of the prison that was free to go as well? What must they do to be saved? He went to the two guys that knew they had something different about them. And when you live with the peace of God, people will see you are someone that's approachable, someone that knows something they need to know. It's about that walking in the Spirit. It doesn't make you special. It makes you Spirit-filled. And the world has changed. One person at a time. Paul and Silas weren't in Philippi very long. That book of Philippians is remarkable now. Think about it now. See, it's just added so much flavor to even my life. When Paul wrote the book of Philippians, that little letter, that epistle that is so full of, and if I was going to ask one thing of you, if you were going to, I want you to respond and tell me what the book of Philippians is about in one word, you would get it right. The answer would be joy. Now, do you know where Paul was when he wrote the book of the little letter to Philippians? He was in prison. He was in prison, more than likely in Rome. I want to sign off by saying the effectiveness of Paul no matter where he was at. And that's my goal for you and for me. It should not matter where our steps take us this week. 
if we're yielded to the Spirit, wherever we're at there in that condition, God has us right where He wants us. If He wants me in prison, if He wants me on a highway picking up, who knows? I don't know. It could be anything. Paul lived that kind of life. He's in prison in Rome. But who was the prisoner? That's the question I have of this little circumstance. Paul and Silas weren't prisoners. Not at all. They were there by direct demand of God. to That, that jailer in Philippi, he needs to get saved. I'm going to make it happen. Now, what would be the least likely group of people to be saved if you were in Rome? Well, you could say Caesar. That's a good call. Caesar's not likely to get saved. Remember what Jesus said about the rich young ruler that came to him? What must I do to inherit eternal life? I mean, I'm sure he thought about the question for quite a while. He was a smart man. He was a smart young guy. But God, Jesus Christ, he was amazing how he could just put his finger on the problem immediately. He says, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. I'm, I'm sure his eyes rolled in the back of his head. Why? Was that going to save him? No. But what it did show is that his money was his God. So Caesar, likely to get saved? Unlikely. A lot of our powerful and pompous people in the United States, the Bill Gates people of the United States, the George Soroses, uh, unlikely to get saved. Why? They're too powerful. They're too rich. They have too many things. They don't see any need for anything. If I told George Soros, and I don't even know if he's alive, honestly, but as old as he is, if I went to him and I said, George, and I pray for him right now, this second, that George would find Jesus Christ. But you know what he'd say? I don't need him. Right? It's the most dangerous lie that Satan could tell anyone. And yet it's true. But I'll tell you, someone else is probably not even, more, even less likely to get saved is Caesar's servants, his household. Now, let's check back in to Philippians, same book. Let's go to chapter 4. Chapter 4 of Philippians. Now, I'm, I'm skipping ahead a little bit, I understand. Verse 21, it says, this is the ending remarks of this man that's in jail. He's writing to those where he was enslaved for a night, beaten. The jailer gets saved. He's part of the church. And he says in verse 21, chapter 4, Salute every saint, every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. That's amazing. That's amazing. See, Paul was never in prison. <laughs> it was the person that was hooked to him that was in prison. How would you like to have been that person? And you didn't know Jesus Christ, and your next eight hours or whatever is being chained to this maniac that talks about Jesus for eight hours. And he lived it, right? He was rejoicing in the Lord always. How many times do you think he learned the Lord is all? Great is the Lord. He may probably son kumbaya. I don't know, but to be chained to, to, to Paul, you're not anything less than the prisoner of this relationship. And Paul saw it as an opportunity for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. That's living recklessly for Jesus. And I'm going to tell you right now that if you want to make an impact in this world and your life today, you start living reckless with Jesus. Because you're safe in his hands. You're safe in everything you do when you place him number one in your life. And that's exactly what Paul and Silas did. Let's pray. Father God, what magnificent words. What a magnificent picture we see of your plan being unfolded sovereignly, meticulously, magnificently oh, you amaze me in your awesomeness I bow in repentance Father for not being rejoicing at all times in you for seeing my problems sometimes as bigger than they should be displacing you 
in the sea of struggle. Father, may we all get a sharper glimpse, a clearer focus of Jesus Christ. We thank you for what you're doing in this town, in this county, in these people. And we know, Father, that you will make an impact one person at a time. Sometimes, Father, it's overwhelming. But bring us back to just exactly what Paul and Silas did. Just live Jesus recklessly every moment of every day for all of their life. Thank you for allowing us to be safe in your hands. Persecution in Paul, when you persecuted Paul, he spelled it opportunity. It's always an opportunity. He turned the cross into the crown. Father, give us strength. Help us to know what we need to do. Help us to keep firm, standing in your strength. We thank you for all that you've accomplished, all that you're doing as we go forward. In Jesus' name, amen.